0: Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Dairy Dairygold AgriBusiness. For quality feed, expert service, and support you can trust.
1: Welcome to our programme, I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, the MACRA President calls for waiting times for driving tests to be cut. High risk time for farm accidents as extra vigilance is called for during the calving period. Mr Thomas Curran has been appointed as Chagas Regional Advisory Manager for the West Cork region. Our top story, the rising cost of TB eradication. Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, and Mr Paul Mooney, News Correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, write about the topic in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. Miss Amy Ford spoke to the farm programme.
2: The current controls that we have in Ireland, which includes um, badger vaccinations um, and TB testing, Um, It's been said by UC professor that these would not be enough to eradicate TB by 2030. Um, as, as the government has planned to do by 2030. Um, the, if we kept going on the current road with TB testing and the badger vaccinations, it'll be between 60 and 90 years before it's actually eradicated. And even by then, there could still be some stragglers um, in one way, shall we say. Um, so the TB forum has been set up, um, which includes all the stakeholders in the industry, farm organisations, and the minister. Um, to look at ways in which and whereby we could eradicate TB by 2030. So, the government has approved the proposal from, a, from the Minister Michael Creed, um, which is to commit to eradicate TB in cattle by 2030. So, UCD Professor um, Simon Moore has said, with the current controls that we have, this is a massive ask. So, we, we're going to need this basically means that we're going to need stricter measures, and that's what's being proposed. Um, in order to eradicate TB by 2030 and those measures could include um, such as reducing the spread of TB to herds which are TB free so there could be a proposal put out um, on risk-based trading so if my herd has is high risk for TB and I wanted to trade with your herd uh, your herd would also have to be high risk in order for, or, or an equivalent risk for me to trade with you so that could cause issues Um, They want to eliminate TB from infected areas, so areas with chronic TB or herds with with chronic TB problems um, will be put on a program of escalating measures to eliminate the infection and then mitigate the risk of future breakdown in that herd. Again, risk-based trading would would be brought in there and that's kind of what's being proposed at the moment.
1: And in your article, Amy, as recently as the year 2017, I understand, uh, according to the figures uh, you've researched, that 84 million was spent on TB eradication.
2: Yeah, so the the latest figures in 2017 show that um, 84 million euro was spent on TB uh, in that year, and the funding of that was split three ways. So 42 million euro came from the exchequer, farmers spent 32 million and funding of 10 million euro came from the eu and that 10 million euro funding figure from the eu and that is kind of under threat from from other issues in europe at the moment it looks like it's it had that funding has reduced over the last couple of years and and it looks set to continue as it is but there's a massive cost to tb and the department of agriculture has estimated that since 1954 in the region of 5.5 billion euros has been spent on tb in ireland
1: Would there be a risk posed to our exports? The very fact TB eradication has not occurred effectively. It's not 100% yet by any means. Would this ultimately affect our exports and then affect the income of farmers? And do you sense that the farm organizations, be it the IFA, ICSA or the ICMSA, that they really do understand the, the potential threat that TB would pose to farmers' livelihoods?
2: and um, there's definitely a point in that look ireland has a very an excellent rep um an excellent rep when it comes to exporting animals like we've the highest traceability standards and animal welfare in this country um, and our export markets uh, realise that. Um, I suppose one thing that the department has insisted on, well, not insisted on, but suggested, is that if, if we are going to eradicate TB by 2030, there's going to be have, there's going to have to be much stricter measures than there currently is. Um, and they they have um, suggested a number of ways there that we've already said, such as risk-based trading and stuff. Um, the farmers have come out swinging against that. Um, they don't think that there should be, for example, TB on market boards and marts. Um, so. If we were selling cattle, uh, my TB, the TB status of my herd, could be displayed on the mark board, and and, and farm organisations are against that.
1: Coming back to the point you made, the UCD professor at the Centre for Veterinary Epidemiology and Risk Analysis, Simon Moore, he told the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Agriculture, if Ireland uh, stuck with the current TB controls, it wouldn't be eradicated by the year 2079. To hear someone in that situation point out how extremely hard it's going to be, well then I think farmers and everyone should be bracing themselves for far, far tighter controls. And as you say there, some people might regard it as very unfair and damaging potentially, but the status of your herd to be displayed at the mart and people to know exactly what the health status would be of the animals they might be considering purchasing. We should brace ourselves for far tighter controls if we are to improve that date of 2079. That's so far away.
2: Yeah, definitely, and our farmers should prepare for that. Again, there's a couple of meetings left of the TB forum with, with the Minister and, and other stakeholders, including the farm organisations, and it's expected that there will be a report on on how we are going to eradicate TB by 2030 um, to come out of that. Um, but I suppose... Just going back to your comment there on Professor Moore, he, he said that in Australia, in the example there that's given, and you can see it in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, that TB was eradicated in Australia after a very long and expensive campaign. And there they included um, restrictions on risk-based trading, so trading between certain um, TB status of herds. Um, and there was restrictions on herds uh, for trading of up to eight years and in, in geographical areas as well. So they kind of did it in how will I say it, like a county by county, but a state by state base in Australia. Um, and obviously that was seen as very risk-based And If we go down the road in this country, it's it's a very different way to how it will be in Australia. In Australia, there's uh, massive tracts of land. Here, we're nose to nose with our neighbouring herds, um, so TB is much easier to spread. Um, but definitely, as you said there, uh, tighter controls are to be expected uh, for farmers in order to eradicate the disease by 2030.
1: From time to time, people outside the farming industry, perhaps even non-vets will say, look, they feel that the very idea of so much movement of cattle and the idea that if animals are taken from a farm to be slaughtered because of bovine infection or because they are risk herds, that when you're transporting animals with a disease to the factory or to the point of slaughter, and then that lorry, unless it's absolutely and thoroughly disinfected and cleaned together with the the frequency of movement.
2: It will depend what what comes out of the TB form and what the final report and and outcome and strategy is to eradicate TB, but um, there is any amount of number of ways this could go for farmers i suppose um whether that's risk based trading which will be um, will impact massively on farmers here um but again I, I can't really say on on disinfection and and the rest of that if if that's how that's going to be affected for the next 10 years um until 2030 it's not that much longer time until we will be there 10 years sounds like an awful long time but if we want to eradicate TB by that time, it's going to take um, serious measures.
1: Speaking to Ms. Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. We've only skimmed over the surface in your article in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. There's a great deal more of uh, detail and information, specific information about the situation. For another article you wrote, and this is something which strikes a chord with people outside farming as well as farmers trying to look after their livestock and provide top-class welfare. 68 sheep dead after Wexford dog attack, an appeal to people to know where their dog is.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, Just outside Enniscorthy, County Wexford, last week, 68 sheep um, died as a result of a dog attack uh, in a shed. Two dogs were noticed going into the shed um, in the morning, or in the vicinity of the shed in the morning of um, this attack there's 235 yews and sheep in the shed and by five o'clock um they were no the dogs again were noticed it's it's understood that they were in the shed for the whole day um sheep had serious injuries um 35 in- inland in lamb yos had to be put down um as a, and th- another 30 sheep had to be put down as a result of their injuries um from the attack so it was a massive attack the farmer is is quite distressed
1: it really is an appeal to people to understand that a harmless dog, when it goes out at night, is roaming at night, it meets up other dogs and their nature comes out and they become predators and uh, ruthless killers. Every year people talk about it. Is there now a legal requirement that animals would, that dogs would have a chip in their ear, that they would have an identifiable chip that they can be traced back to their owners?
2: That's right, John. So the key message from this is if you are a dog owner, whether you're farming or not, it doesn't matter if you have a dog, know where your dog is during the day if you're going out to work 9 to 5. Um, like, as you said there, your dog can join up with other dogs and cause untold damage um, to the farmer's livestock, and, and that's a key part of their day. That's their livelihood, and that's their income at the end of the day. Um, you mentioned microchipping there. Uh, under the control of Dogs Act in 2015, um, all dogs have to be microchipped, um, going forward since since, since that date, um, and it's understood that there's not that many dogs being microchipped. Um, so microchip your dog, keep it on a leash, know where it is.
1: And the very last point, a rather tragic one for a pet owner, if your dog is found to be in the act of savaging sheep and the farmer can show that he tried every other means, well, the farmer is legally covered if he shoots that animal dead to save his flock. If he finds that animal in the course of savaging or attacking sheep and can prove it.
2: That's right, John. So if a, if a dog is about to worry sheep or is worrying sheep and is found doing so by the farmer, um, the farmer under the law has the right to, to shoot that dog. Um, and obviously nobody wants their dog to be shot, but if your dog is attacking sheep, which are a person's livelihood, and, and killing sheep, um, farmers have the right to do that.
1: Thank you very much indeed. Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. And that brief overview conversation on the mounting cost of TB eradication is based on an article in this week's Irish Farmers' Journal, Saturday 9th of March 2019, an article jointly written by Mr Paul Mooney, news correspondent, Irish Farmers' Journal and Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Macquarie Firma National President Mr James Healy has renewed his call for a commitment from the government to reduce driving test waiting times, particularly in areas which are not serviced by alternative forms of transport. He points out that over 370 vehicles driven by unaccompanied learner drivers had been seized by the Gardaí since December last year. Commenting on the figure, he said, Currently in some rural areas, the waiting time for a driving test is five months. This is simply too long. James Healy spoke to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme about this problem.
3: Firstly, thanks for having me on, John. And um, Yes, we recently um, made a statement about the reduced driving way- test wait times because many of our members have been impacted by the not a change to the law, but certainly a change to the penalties for for driving on a company. Then, um, no more than yourself, John. We're all from rural areas where we're very dependent on the car, and for our young people, the car provides a huge amount of freedom, but it also allows them to work or to go to college. So the ability to um, drive on their own, to drive on a company, then and, and not be either inconveniencing their parents or uh, stuck at home is is extremely important. And I think with the changes in the penalties uh, for driving unaccompanied, there certainly seems to have been a, a spike in the driving test waiting times, as many of those who have, might have been... Um, toddling along without sitting the test, have now realised that they need to do something about it, and I think the waiting times for driving tests have reached unacceptable levels in in many parts of the country, and certainly in parts of Cork. I think Skibbereen has a waiting time of up to twenty six weeks, and when your target waiting time is ten weeks, that's a that's a huge difference, and it makes a huge impact on the young person's life. And um, as our survey that our Rural Youth Committee carried out recently shows that I, I think it was almost one-third of young people said that the lack of public transport as an alternative to driving in their local area was preventing them from uh, taking up employment. So I think there's we need to approach this uh, from a number of different angles. Um, I know the Minister has said that uh, new uh, driving test instructors will be hired, but we need details on how many And when, you know, so that we get a timeline on when this uh, issue will be remedied. And they shouldn't just be hired for the short term. You know, this is an ongoing issue that seems to spike every couple of years. And those um, remedies that are put in place now to try and remedy the situation need to remain in place so that we don't have it again into the future. I think certainly anecdotally, you would hear of evidence of people, you know, making an appointment for their driving test and and those not turning up and look, anything can happen you once, but certainly I think if people are making a habit of not turning up for their driving test uh, that's something that could also be looked at and I I think that the third element that needs to be looked at is and it probably impacts on all of us is rural transport, rural public transport because I think I'm only out in Dunhamore we're relatively close to Cork we're quite close to Mallow but the number of bus, buses that service Dunamore is is quite small, and certainly the times that they run at don't uh, enable people, young people, uh, older people, uh, be it to go into Cork or to Mallow, uh, or to you know they're not at the right times. And I think we need to seriously look at the availability of public transport in rural areas to aid all of our uh, people living in uh, rural communities.
1: Of course, everyone agrees with the principle of safe drivers, knowledgeable drivers, drivers with a certain minimum degree of experience. But there's an awful lot of waiting between the different stages and it must cause an enormous amount of frustration, people going to college, to work, etc., and families under pressure.
3: You certainly, and I think if you get your provisional license set, or your learner permit, as they call it now, uh, at 17, there are six months where you cannot apply for uh, a driving test and i think look that's appropriate that um somebody who's just starting out there should be a period of time where they have to they have to go and do their 12 uh, driving lessons they have to gain some experience and i think but then that once that waiting period is over there should they should have the ability to sit their test within a reasonably short uh, period of time because no doubt that as, as many of your listeners know and many of the people listening to the program are probably parents and it does place quite a strain on those, uh, on the resources of the family to make sure that that young person can go to college every morning or can can go to their job and I know that uh, there's many, you know, young apprentices or maybe people that are in agricultural college that are on placement in a farm that might be half an hour or an hour away and that's Two hours, maybe, out of a parent's time uh, every day—that you know—we're asking them to give up—and the, the shorter the period of time that that inconvenience is in place, um, the better I think it is for everybody.
1: Macrin firma, I think, would welcome specific details on just how many new testers are being recruited because the RSA, Road Safety Authority, they say they're aiming for an average national waiting time of 10 weeks. But I understand that you, James, you know of one test centre in Cork City where there's a huge waiting list and a rather limited number of testers. But I think you really would like to know exactly how many testers are to be employed, bearing in mind both the Taoiseach and the Transport Minister say they understand the current time is far too long and we're absolutely now in a situation where no-one on a provisional licence can anymore drive unaccompanied.
3: Yes, I I suppose. while the law was the law. Maybe a blind eye was being turned to uh, to some of the, the driving unaccompanied that was happening, and uh, look, the, the, you know, the statistics would show that there was uh, people being punished for driving unaccompanied. But um, certainly, the increase in the penalties over the last couple of months has changed people's attitudes, and I think um, that's why it's so important that we get the details that, that that we're asking for, and that you have mentioned there around the number of driving test instructors that are testers that are going to be hired, because. I know of one test center uh, in the city uh, where there is over 6000 applications uh, for from people waiting to sit their driving test and I believe uh, it's seven driving testers that are working in that center and I can only imagine how long it's going to take them to work their way through all those those young people waiting to sit their tests so you know I think this is an extremely important issue and but we shouldn't let it uh, override the fact that uh, when, if they manage to bring down the driving test waiting times, there is still the issue of rural transport. And I think we have a tendency for a problem to get solved in the short term, and we turn our, you know, we move on to the next issue. But this isn't an issue that we we can forget about because maybe driving isn't for everybody. Um, you know, many of our older people maybe the the car isn't an affordable way for them to to get around or maybe the, they don't feel safe driving anymore uh, and they have to have an ability to get around as well and you know whether it's rural isolation or um you, you know even just the ability to go to the post office and you know we're asking or we're asking people in rural communities to go farther and farther from any of the the um infrastructure, be it the post office or the shop they're having to go farther and farther now, and it's making the people more and more dependent on the car and I think we need to seriously look at people's ability to to, to
4: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
4: That's stamps.com. Code program.
3: Move from one place to the other in rural areas.
1: We will leave the driving test waiting times just for the moment and hopefully soon there will be some good news to report. But turning to the Macquarie Firm election 2019 details, I understand the closing date for a seat of nomination papers has just passed, Wednesday, March 6th, 5pm. That's gone. But there are some very important dates which you might like to remind our listeners about vis-a-vis the Macquarie Firm election 2019.
3: The close of nominations was, on Wednesday we'll be beginning the series of hosting meetings around the country we'll have six so we'll have two in the northwest two in Leinster and two of course in Munster uh, listeners will be interested to know that the first hostings in the Munster area will be next Wednesday and that's in the Shannon Oaks in, in Shannon and County Clare and but a little closer to home will be on the 25th of March uh, that's a Monday that will be in the Vienna Woods Hotel uh, in Dlenmeyer. So uh, that might be a little closer to home for people. But I think there will be two interesting meetings. Uh, All all of our candidates will uh, make presentations and then there'll be uh, a good opportunity for a question and answer session so our members can can put their questions to, to those that will be representing them into the future. And I think it's an excellent process for uh, our members to get to know the people that are uh, running for election and for, for those running for an election to find out what the, the members really want and, and expect of them as they perform their duties in the upcoming two years.
1: And a very important and very interesting and exciting event taking place this evening Saturday 9th of March 2019 at the Malogia Complex for everyone interested in debating, MACRA debating.
3: You know there are many uh, past MACRA members Uh, that that will be listening today, John, that might have an interest in this, is the uh, National Debating Final, which will take place uh, on Saturday, the 9th of March, in the Mallow GA complex. Um, So, you know, we're looking forward to the opportunity to seeing what has always been a fantastic competition in the Mokrinna Farma calendar. It's a great opportunity for young people developing their ability to speak, to make an argument. And I know that many of your listeners will have partaken in the competition at some point in the past, so it's an opportunity to see how the the, the new members are getting on with the competition. Um, so that will be starting. Doors will be at half seven with the debate kicking off at eight o'clock and it's sure to be a good night's entertainment. And I suppose as you know, as usual, Mocker continues to work on on all of the issues that that are affecting rural young people and young farmers. And, you know, recently we did a number of consultations around the country um and we're hoping to launch a number of policies over the, the next month or two. Uh, we're hoping to, to maybe launch a policy on where we think beef needs to, the beef industry needs to go in Ireland into the future. A, a piece on employment, and I suppose, there is a, a, a labour shortage in Irish agriculture and that's how maybe we address that and bring young people that wouldn't maybe have considered agriculture as a career to take it up, to, to look at it and to consider it as a, an, an option for, for them into the future. And I think they're, they're two pieces of uh, policy that are going to be coming out in the very near future and I think which could uh, which will generate a lot of discussion amongst our own members and amongst uh, people within the industry uh, in general.
1: And James, the subject for debate at tonight's MACRA debating finals at GA Complex, Carragoon Mallow, just outside Mallow, about two or three miles outside Mallow. But the main topic of the event
3: tonight, 9th of March in Mallow. So the debating will be taking place, uh, doors will be at half seven. Uh, The debate will kick off at eight o'clock, and that's in the Mallow GA Complex. And the uh, motion for tonight's final, which w- is between Dunamore Macra from uh, nearby there and Bree Macra from Wexford, and the motion is that Macra na Farma is as relevant today as it was in 1944.
1: MACRA President, Mr. James Healy. Thank you, James.
3: Thank you very much, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme,
1: we have Ms. Sharon Lomani, Education Officer, Chagas, not Griffin Middleton in County Cork. Sharon, welcome to the programme. Now, looking at the accident situation and indeed uh, some farm fatalities, following on from the year 2017, when 24 people lost their lives on Irish farms, 2018 actually showed a reduction in fatal farm accidents with 17 deaths occurring on Irish farms in 2018. Sharon, would you like to comment on those figures?
5: Even one death is one too many, and this reduction would be of little comfort to the 17 farm families who now mourn the loss of a loved one. Briefly looking at the causes, nine of the fatalities were associated with farm vehicles and machinery, five with livestock, and the other three associated with falls from a height, drowning from slurry, and timber cutting. Year on year, we see that the causes of farm deaths don't really change. This is on top of the average 2,500 non-fatal farm accidents that are reported every year. And to this, then, you can add the numbers near misses unreported. So March is really a timely reminder for our farming listeners to give safety priority. The busy spring period habitually shows a rise both in accidents and in fatalities with an increase in work activity and load, and this is often compounded by lack of sleep.
1: Your studies and your figures seem to show that people at both ends of the spectrum, very young and very old, suffer the highest percentage of accidents, apparently.
5: Yes, John, again, 2017 proved this. Ten of the farm fatalities that occurred did so to people over the age of 65, and within this ten, 50% of these occur to people over the age of 75. Elderly farmers are particularly at risk of being struck by a moving vehicle. Even a vehicle moving at a smart walking pace covers 2 metres per second, so it really gives the person his path very little chance of avoiding impact. We need to be particularly vigilant where there are elderly people around the farmyard. Look, they may have impaired eyesight or their hearing mightn't be as good as it was, They'll also have a slow reaction time and their mobility will also be reduced. Similarly, extra care should be taken to ensure the safety of elderly farmers when handing livestock, particularly cows, around calving. Avoid entering the pen with a fresh calf cow and it's always advisable to have her securely restrained either before administering anything to her or attending to the calf. This applies to everybody, not just the elderly, and young people are as much at risk of um, injury or um, accident through contact with livestock as are the elderly.
1: People of any age working on a roof, uh, they would appear to be working in a very hazardous uh, situation potentially, but many accidents and fatalities can occur when people are working at uh, far lower heights than the rooftops.
5: I suppose, yes, it seems a bit strange to say, but deaths from falling from height have predominantly been from between 7 and 11 foot. Yes, indeed, off a ladder or a low roof or even from a tractor. The reason is when you fall, you fall at approximately 30 foot per second. So from this height, you stand very little chance to help yourself. In 2017, two fatalities resulted from falls from tractors and a third where a victim fell off a ladder when repairing roof sheeting. Really, ladders should only be used as a means of access or for work for very short duration where there's no other safe way of doing it. If work can't be done from beneath, then a mobile elevating work platform or a tower scaffold should really be used. Alternatively, if access onto a fragile roof is unavoidable, install perimeter edge fencing or protection and roofing ladders and crawl boards on the roof surface.
1: And again, Sharon, I understand from analysis of your accident and fatality figures and statistics, there are situations where transparent plastic type see-through sheeting was installed on the roof to allow light into the building. But over the years, this has become covered with dirt, etc. And people would step onto it, not realising it wasn't corrugated iron or asbestos and was very weak and they fell through. Indeed, very often uh, over time, it's hard to distinguish
5: between the perspex and the galvanised or the asbestos. And unfortunately, um, if you step on it, um, both due to the fact that it's not made to be stepped on, but also due to um, wear over time, it certainly will, um, will give under you. And unless there is a safety net or some structure underneath to catch you, um, you will hit the ground.
1: Would it be true to say that people don't seem to really grasp how dangerous it is carrying out normal day to day work on the farm, quite apart from the household or other factories, etc.? But would it be true to say that we have to have a mind change and change our behavior when it comes to working around the farm and be aware of just how many tragic accidents and fatalities? can be caused by momentary lack of concentration.
5: The, our John, that's 100% correct. Uh, just looking at, say, um, a Walsh Fellow study um, carried out um, a study on um, a farm looking at health and safety in dairy discussion groups. And a simple example is something like um, simply exiting a tractor safely, and it showed up very plainly where behaviour mindset... Um, can become very clouded. So, best practice would recommend that you alight backwards, like climbing down a ladder. However, a third of the farmers interviewed said they didn't do it this way out of habit. So, this group really needs to break that bad habit or change their habit. Another group stated they weren't familiar with how to do it properly. So, I suppose here you could say there's a skills gap. They'd need to be shown how to alight from the tractor safely. Another group claimed that it was a question of visibility. It was easier to go down forward, or, and they were under time pressure, so they didn't have the time to turn around, and they just bolted for the door. And unfortunately, um, you can have um, disastrous consequences um, for doing this. Approximately 25% of them claimed it was physical, physical dis- disability, or that a back pain or poor fitness, and it prevented them from turning around and alighting from the tractor safely. I would contend that um their i suppose their back pain or their uh, i suppose in or disability or whatever injury they were carrying might be as a result of just coming out of the tractor the wrong way and maybe twisting their ankle or turning or falling so cause of their disability might be a result of not doing something as simple as that
1: we turn to a legal requirement Any words of advice to farmers, Sharon, in relation to completing the risk assessment document under the Farm Safety Code of Practice? A legal requirement, I understand.
5: Yes, John. Again, I suppose just to stress the fact that every farmer employing three or more workers is legally obliged to complete and implement a risk assessment document for his farm. This is a very important document. and When it's completed, it should be read by and understood by everybody who's working on the farm. There has been a revised legal farm risk assessment document with a green cover um, introduced since July of 2017, and this has now replaced the white cover version that everybody's familiar with since the 1st of January 2019. This is available from any Chagas office, and if during 2019 new machinery, plant, buildings or animals are brought onto the farm, use the new version of risk assessment document to include them. In addition to the short half-day training courses on completion of the Farm Safety Code of Practice, we also deliver the half-day farm safety course, which is a mandatory requirement to draw down TAMS funding. If anybody listening is interested, just contact your local office, who will be able to give you details of any upcoming courses in your area. And finally, raising awareness of the risk factors which could cause injury and death to yourself or to a loved one is a vital first step to an effective safety management system on your farm.
1: Thanks, John. Thanks indeed for that very comprehensive overview. Thank you very much indeed, Miss uh, Sharon Ramahani, Education Officer, Chagask, not Griffin Middleton, in County Cork. Thank you, Sharon, very much indeed. Not
5: at all. Thank you very much, John.
1: The appointment of Mr Thomas Curran as Chagask Regional Advisory Manager in the West Cork region was approved at the Chagask Authority meeting on 6th of March. Chagas managers lead the delivery of Chagas advisory services to farmers and the delivery of educational courses in the regional education centres. From a farming background in County Waterford, Thomas Curran began his career in Chagas as an agricultural advisor in Dungarvan, before moving on to spend 14 years as an advisor in West Cork, working out of Skibbereen, Dunmanway, Bandon, and Clonakilty. In the last five years, he has worked as a Chagask Farm Business Structure Specialist, where he focused on the development and promotion of collaborative farming business structures. These include farm partnerships, share farming, contract heifer rearing, cow leasing, contract cropping, long-term land leasing, while also developing significant expertise in farm succession and inheritance. Over the last two years, he has led the development of Ireland's very first machinery-sharing cooperative in collaboration with ICOS, while also developing a national discussion group strategy to increase the capacity for contract heifer rearing between dairy and dry stock farmers. Thomas Curran qualified with a Bachelor of Agricultural Science degree from UCD in 1996 he went on to complete a Master's Agricultural Science degree through the Walsh Fellowship Programme. More recently, he completed a postgraduate in Leadership Development in the Irish Management Institute. Speaking following his appointment, Thomas Curran said he was delighted to take up the Chagos management role in the West Cork region and he looked forward to working closely with the farming community and the agri-food sector in the region. He said that Chagask had a strong team of advisors who were working hard to support economically, socially and environmentally sustainable family farms in West Cork. He said Chagask were also supporting the development of current and future farmers through the delivery of education and training courses designed to provide them with skills and knowledge to equip them for a successful and fulfilling future in farming. The vacancy in West Cork arose following the retirement of Mr. Billy Kelleher as Chagas Regional Manager in the Cork East Region. Mr. John Horgan moves from West Cork to manage the Chagas Advisory Services in East Cork. Professor Tom Kelly, Director of Knowledge Transfer in Chagas, congratulated Thomas Kern on his appointment and thanked Mr. Billy Kelleher for his dedication and commitment to the Chagas Advisory Service during his long career, and for the help, assistance and wisdom he delivered to farmers in the areas he worked, confirming the appointment of Mr. Thomas Curran as Chagas' Regional Advisory Manager in the West Cork region. The Mercuser talks resume next week. The next round of trade talks between the European Union and the Mercosur group of countries from South America will take place in Buenos Aires next week, commencing on Monday 11th of March. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, TD, met with his Turkish counterpart, Dr Bakir Pakdemirli, Minister for Agriculture and Forestry in Istanbul on Thursday. The meeting covered existing and future opportunities for technical cooperation and trade in agri-food products between Ireland and Turkey. Discussions particularly focused on prospects for renewed live cattle exports from Ireland to Turkey. The IFA National Sheep Committee Chairman, Mr Sean Dennehy, contends that the Minister for Agriculture, Mr Creed, cannot impose compulsory EID tagging on sheep farmers at an additional cost of €2 million per annum and at the same time allow marts and factories off the hook with voluntary implementation of the measure. Sean Dennehy said Minister Creed had promised farmers that marts and factories would have to operate CPRs, central points of recording, and provide accurate printouts which would remove the need for farmers to record individual tag numbers with EID, electronic identification. He said the Department of Agriculture were now saying it's not mandatory for marts and factories to operate these CPRs. IFA Grain Committee Chairman Mark Brown has called on farmers who buy compound feed rations to insist on Irish grains. He claims that some feed merchants are now producing rations which contain little or no Irish grain and have replaced it with maize grain from non-EU sources. Mark Brown said Irish tillage farmers are angry at the reduction in the use of Irish grains, considering Irish wheat and in particular barley, is still readily available in store. Mark Brown says we are forecast to import in excess of 1.3 million tonnes of maize for the current marketing year, with the majority of this originating in Canada, Brazil and the Ukraine. He says the European Union has agreed deals with certain countries without demanding an equivalence in environmental or production standards. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls, and as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. The next Farm Talk is scheduled for this coming Wednesday evening after the 10 o'clock news.
0: Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service, and support you can trust.